Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is Dante. And Michelle. And you're tuned into Life, Instructions Not Included, podcast where we try to find all the missing pieces to make our lives feel a little bit more normal. Coming from different walks of life, we'll try to spark conversation that mentally stimulates us and challenges the way we all think. Today, we will be talking about the relationship we had or have with our parents throughout our lives and how it's impacted us. And also how we plan on making stronger connections with our parents so that we have stronger bonds as we get older. But before we dive in, let's check in with each other. How are you? It is allergy season in the Pacific Northwest and I am dying. I just got over a cold last week. Um, Again. I mean, everybody that knows me, I'm sick like every other week. It's a shit show. I got clients telling me that I got a... I got an immune system of a baby, of an infant, and it's true. I can't get over it. I can't shake it. But right when I started feeling better, my allergies hit me, and I think it might have been a combo where I just been out. Out of commission. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd still go to work. I'm still dealing with my clients because you know I wasn't completely dead Mm -hmm. uh, nor contagious, and you know I've been able to push through that. And today was actually like my first full day of work in about a week and a half. Feels good, but like now I just got this this lingering raspiness voice. I mean, it could be because I'm just tired too. But hey, mm-hmm. I'm here. We made Do it. you think you are fully recovered from the last time we lost our voices? Hell no. I don't think we mentioned this the last episode, but the reason why we weren't able to release anything for two months was because even though we got over our sickness in about two or three weeks, we both lost our voices. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I remember one time you called me up on the phone and I didn't even recognize who you were on the other line. Yeah, you it was insane. did not sound like yourself at yeah, all. It was insane. I, you know, I think at that time I applied to be a sex phone operator. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get hired. That's why I'm here. On the podcast. No, I this. was like, stop talking because that actually, it like, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just sounds very painful. Yeah. But I mean, this time this time around, you know, it's it's a lot better. I think I haven't shaken that cold, though, completely. I have a friend, um, homegirl Sam. I think we're all hanging out. I think she mentioned, like, she's still not over, not completely recovered. And she's been sick for maybe two months. I mean, since the plant show. Whoa. Sometime around whenever whenever that was. And yeah, my my other friends, they just got over their sickness. And you know, I'm just hoping I don't go into spring feeling like shit. <laughs> I got stuff to take care of. But I mean, other than that, you know, just been chilling, reading a lot. I've been going through that financial feminist book that we've been reading. Yeah. Um, shout out to Capital One. Capital <laughs> Shout out to you? Shout out to Capital One for giving us a uh, Giving us a copy of it's Tori, right? Is that that was pretty cool. Yeah. Tori, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, when they gave it to us, I didn't know she was local. Yeah, I didn't know either. Until I started reading the book and she's been referring to like the Seattle housing market and yeah. everything. So I left the book out while I was reading it between clients. And then my client comes in and she, I didn't know she noticed it. Mm-hmm. But apparently Tori has a huge following. She does. Yeah. On TikTok. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I would call out her TikTok handle, but I don't know it. Yeah. I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> or I don't, I'm not on TikTok. Yeah. So what about you? What have you been up to? How's work treating you? Work's been really good. We just had one of our biggest, I don't know about biggest, but one of our bigger events that we host throughout the year. And so I just got done with a 50-hour work week. Um, we hosted a rave 
at work. And let me tell you how much of a trip this job is because on Friday morning, I um, helped host a very sad, unfortunate event, but it was a celebration of life for a two-year-old baby girl who was sick with cancer. And very, like, beautiful celebration of life, but again, very sad. And then the next day at work on Saturday, Saturday night, we hosted this full-on big rave, which was pretty interesting, pretty fun. The DJ, the main headliner DJ was actually a DJ for Burning Man, which I thought was pretty cool. And yeah. Silent disco, right? Okay. Is that, is that what we're talking about here? So it was half, it was like the main event was normal, like normal DJ, dance floor, all that. But then there was a section of event a section of the event in a different area that was silent disco. Mm, okay. Yes, which I did try out, and I think silent disco is my shit. Have you ever tried it? No, that's not that's not me. I don't think I can get into it because I'd feel weird knowing I'm like no one else can hear unless we're because you could uh, you could tell what kind of music they're listening to based on the color of the headphones, you right? You can, yeah. So I mean, I guess I could connect with someone like that, like a group like that. But yeah. I still feel weird because you know you're just vibing, dancing, and shit. And what if no one's really listening? That's just <laughs> listening to music, and they're just watching you. It just feels awkward. It was pretty cool. So in the DJ, uh, in the silent disco portion, we actually had the two DJs dueling. Is that the word dueling? I guess. Out. Uh, a battling, a battle. Battling, yeah. yeah. So they were in the front of the room, and dueling. <laughs> first thought, first thought of fucking swords, knights in yeah. shining armor. And yeah, shit. but with music. Yeah. And so we had like six throughout the throughout the night. Um. So that was like pretty cool to see. You could, you can see what colors or what station the other people are on. So, you know, you could vibe with them. It was fun. But after that night, I think I got home at like 1 a.m. I'm super tired. That was Saturday night, okay? So Sunday was Easter Sunday. And I'm going to like try and paint a picture for you right now if you if you can imagine. It is Easter Sunday at 5 p.m. And I am exhausted. I think I just woke up from like almost like a two-hour nap. I fell asleep at my mom's house and then fell asleep on the ride back home. But we forgot to bring the Easter eggs to my mom's house where we had like Easter brunch. And so the kids didn't get to go Easter egg hunting like we had planned in the brunch portion. So I'm like, shoot, they're still at home. So Wait, brunch? You just said it was 5 p.m. I know. Sorry, but I was talking about how I was like tired from early. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So if you can imagine me, 5 p.m. on Easter Sunday, I'm sitting at the dining room table alone with an empty basket of Easter eggs with candy and I still have to fill fill them up and it was kind of a funny moment because all weekend I had been seeing families on Instagram like Easter egg hunting and doing Easter activities and here I am I'm not going to say I'm a failure as a mom in that moment because I definitely didn't feel that way but I think just the scene of it definitely looked that way so Filled up the eggs at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday. Didn't hunt outside or hide them outside because it was raining Mm -hmm. and such miserable weather here in Seattle. So we settled for an Easter egg hunt like in the living room area Mm -hmm. um, and kind of did like a makeshift. So 
That was Easter Sunday no, egg hunting for us. I've done that a couple times as a kid when I was raining. Have was you? Raining. Yeah, okay, yeah. so is that a Seattle thing? I would assume so because <laughs> shit, it's always raining it, over here. Yeah, but, it was raining. I'm like, we could yeah. bundle up the kids and go outside, but that's also like yeah. a lot of pressure. I remember when it was sunny and my grandpa at my grandparents' house, we'd um, have all the cousins over and we'd do our Easter egg hunt over there. Nice. But, but I think when I turned um, 25, I was too old for that shit. 25? Yeah. Wait, are, how serious <laughs> Psyched are you? Psyched out play, no. I <laughs> think I was like, I was nine years old. You know when kids go through their, guess their old what? phase. I actually don't remember Easter egg hunting as a child. For real? Yeah. That's sad. You know, it makes me think like all of these traditions, like during Christmas, families do eat uh, Elf on the Shelf. Never did that. I think that's, yeah. I think that's, like, fairly new, but it's, like, more of a tradition now. But some parents are, like, really into it and, like, oh, we have to do this. Yeah. There are other traditions, like, the Easter egg hunt where they're, like, we have to do this. Or what other holidays can you think of where, like, some kind of activity is associated with it? Besides, like, Christmas, obviously, like. I mean, I don't know. I know for, for our family, like, on Mother's Day, what we used to do. Mother's Day and Father's Day, we used to always have the whole family over, mm-hmm. and we would ha- we would be the host for Mother's Day and oh, Father's okay. Day weekend. Cool. So everybody come over. We have the huge barbecue and just kick it with the fam. Nice. Um, I mean, other than that, yeah, other holidays. I mean, Thanksgiving, typical, typical stuff that people do. Okay. Um, Cinco de Mayo is actually my grandma's birthday. So, Ooh, or it tequila, is my grandma's tequila, birthday, but yeah, and so. Yeah, I got an old video of her. We were trying to take shots. I was trying to get her to take a shot. We had um, a couple bottles of Patron, and I'm getting turned. I was like, Grandma, let's go. And she would turn, act like she's drinking it, and just toss it out. And I think I was too drunk to notice what was going on. That is cute. Well, it makes me think of, like, all this pressure that parents have these days um, of providing these experiences for their children. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that our parents had that same pressure. Well, grow when we were younger, yeah. you know, because social media didn't exist. And probably a different type of pressure. I feel like we are pressured more. Well, parent, people that are parents now are pressured more mm-hmm. to fulfill this mm-hmm. ideal mm-hmm. event or experience mm-hmm. for certain holidays, right? Because just like what we talked about in our holiday season episode where people do get stressed out because they, they feel like they have to meet a certain expectation. Yeah. Um, and do make it, make things. everything presentable for people. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just thought of another one, like, um, gingerbread house making at Christmas time oh. or like the egg dying. You know, there's just so much. So my first house, gingerbread house competition, everybody's welcome. Okay. <laughs> it's about to go down. All right. 2023, 2024, um, if, all these <laughs> if all these plants get sold, <laughs> it's going to be 2023. <laughs> Buy my plants. Okay, help them out, help them out. Okay, what other memories do you have with your parents or your family growing up? Like, what are some of your favorite ones? Not related to holidays. Not related to holidays. So, one of my favorite Just in general. Yeah, one of my favorite memories was, it's kind of strange, but it's going to the Supermall. Okay. So, for those that go to the Supermall now, some people don't know that there used to be department stores on the outside. Of the mall. Okay. So they still got like the Nordstrom, I think there's a Nordstrom rack over there. You're looking at the Burlington Co Factory. Um, but anyway, so there's entrances to those stores from the outside, right? And each of the bigger department stores. So Sports Authority, uh, for those that were not alive 
at the time, Sports Authority was a big department store, just like Dick's Sporting Goods. You can imagine mm-hmm. a huge big five sporting goods. Mm-hmm. But the Sports Authority in the Super Mall had a basketball court. Mm-hmm. So we would go every time, you know, we get a couple shots in, and then me and my mom would have a shooting competition. And then I can't leave until I make a certain amount of free throws, usually 10, or we do best of 10 for free throws. Whoa. And I think that's where I got my competitive nature from. Uh-huh. But that was always enjoyable because it seemed like you're going to an amusement park because first you go to the mall, get to play, do sports. Oh, they had a batting cage too. In there. Sports authority? Yeah, yeah. Wow. only that sports authority. Yeah, it's a yeah. special one. So, you know, we do the it's basketball. It's pretty much at that point going to like an indoor amusement park, like a, you know, like so, a family fun center. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at because, you know, you have the basketball court. We do our basketball stuff. Then we go to the batting cage if we had time. Then we go on the carousel. And they had like two other rides, but the carousel was fun. So I was like, what, maybe six, seven years old. Okay. So it was always fun going over there. And that's probably one of my most favorite memories when I was a kid. Interesting. Yeah. We spent a lot of time outside. Like when I think of my childhood, I think about all the times we, my, uh, my family and I camped. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we camped every opportunity we could. Yeah. Like if it was just a random weekend, we would go camping. And especially like a three-day three-day weekend holiday, like, we would go camping. Mm -hmm. And just a lot of my time was spent outside, but I guess that makes sense from where I grew up in my location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think one of the the bigger parts of it was just, like, the amount of time I spent with family and how looking back and I reflect on, like, the – one of the bigger values that my parents taught me was family and that, like, family always comes first. Which still to this day, my like my dad will remind me. You know, I, I'm in that same boat where you know family does come first. So we've been through a lot of things um, in the past couple of decades, shit, uh, where that does get brought up, and people got to be reminded that family does come first. Oh shoot! Uh, I feel very fortunate to not have any instances where my relationship with family or my parents have been challenged to that extent. I mean, obviously, like, we're going to have our disagreements and stuff, but, again, nothing to the extreme. And I recognize I might be fortunate in that sense. You're either extremely fortunate or extremely sheltered. Because I feel like you got to be the only Filipino that I know that does not have family drama, Mm. or at least that doesn't know about. You know, I won't disagree with you um, because I've actually thought that in the past before that like being from, and this is why I think I've had the thought of, am I sheltered Um, growing up in Hawaii? And like when I came to the mainland, I didn't know about a lot of pop culture. And I, I don't even know if this is related, but I didn't know about a lot of pop culture And so, like, my friends or my boyfriend would bring stuff up, and I'm like, I don't know, like, what you're talking about. And then so they'd be like, damn, you were sheltered in Hawaii. And I'm like, yeah, I actually, I think I was. Like, to an extent, I think I was. That's interesting. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know some people that moved up from Cali, and they didn't know things. Well, I don't know if it's a region thing, or maybe you're, like, truly sheltered. Uh Uh-huh. Did you guys have a TV? So I, I was not allowed a TV in my bedroom. Did you... Did you, like, were you locked in a basement? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> no, they yeah, called like, in my room. <laughs> no, because I, I remember asking my parents, like, can I get a TV in my room? And my dad always said, 
like, no, the TV doesn't belong in there. I remember for a little portion of my childhood, we did have a TV Mm -hmm. in um, me and my brother's room. We shared a room for a little bit, but it didn't last very long. So I actually didn't watch a lot of TV until like I met my boyfriend, who's now my husband. Um, and he watched a lot of TV or whatever. A lot of TV is. I don't know. He watched more TV than I was. Watch a lot of TVs. Watch a lot he's of got like six TVs in one room. What y'all want? I got a variety pack. So, um, so yeah, I won't disagree with you. And I also think like maybe also my parents are really good at keeping stuff from me. Yeah, you know. Um, because they might want to protect me. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I think a lot of <laughs> I think a lot of parents feel like they're they're protecting their children by hiding what's going on. Yeah. And Sometimes it gets to so out of control to where, yes. like when you're older, you're kind of shocked with what happened, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that for me, at least, I've learned a lot of things about both my mom and my dad mm-hmm. and my grandparents, too. My grandparents on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I learned, especially as an adult, kind of like mind fucked me because, because while I was growing up, I thought everything was perfectly fine not perfect but i thought there was no there were no issues with our family right not a lot of drama yeah no drama at all and mm-hmm. then as i got older and i started piecing things together and then i hear stories from my dad i hear stories from my mom and then from my grandparents i'm like mm. oh timelines like Uh-oh. it's kind of fucked up mm-hmm. like if this is how it really went down oh, shit. but but you know I, I think that i didn't allow it to affect I didn't allow it to affect how my relationship with my mom was. Okay. I did allow it to affect how my relationship with my dad was. Interesting. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate for those that were raised by one one side of the family. They're probably going to have a certain relationship with the other parent if they're not with them all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I did see my dad. There was a time, like, growing up in high school, I did see him, like, every other weekend. Mm-hmm. Um in middle school, sometimes I would see him in the summers, stay over at his place. And growing up, you know, he was in and out of jail, so it was kind of hard to see him. It was kind of hard to see him. I didn't really see him that much, right? And you never visited him. Uh, no, I think my mom wanted to. He was in some, he was in some shit. Like this isn't a sorry. This isn't a sob story. Don't need to dive in. You, nah. you don't have to. You don't want to. No, it's not that big of a deal, bro. It's not that big of a deal. So. When he was, when he got out, and then I started to stay with him a little bit more, Mm -hmm. I saw some of the shit he was getting into, and I was like, that's why your dumbass got locked up. And I realized, like, he would keep doing the same shit. Mm -hmm. And our relationship became more of a friendship rather than a father-son type of relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I still see him as my dad. I still respect him as my father. But there's a certain role that he has in my life. Mm-hmm. based on our previous experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I could see that, especially if you spend time with one parent more than the other. Yeah. Do you feel like you had to take the side of your mom a lot? Or maybe you just understood her more? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go into detail about it because we're going to have to talk about this on our... Upcoming on our series? Upcoming series about finding... Your identity, being biracial and finding your identity, oh. right? So mm-hmm. to be straightforward, when it comes to the Asian community, there's a lot of racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree. So for those of you that don't know me, my dad's black. My mom's Filipino. Raised by my mom's side. 
And as a kid, you know, my grandparents had this perspective of my dad. My grandpa was more vocal about it. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I can hear, like, when she's on the phone, I can hear what they say. So I think that I wasn't forced to act a certain way towards him. But based on how everybody else perceived him to be, I had a specific or a certain type of impression oh, sure. of what was going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of crazy. And it wasn't really just the fact that it was him. I do, especially for my grandpa, like I do think there was some kind of like racial type shit mm-hmm. going on there. Um, not saying that it's okay, but I'm not going to shy away from the reality of the situation, right? You know, you bring up an interesting point for you because you were a young boy, you were like unable to form your own opinion or your own thoughts towards your father. And you just kind of, you observed the attitude that your mom had towards him or something and that helped you shape your perception. hopefully Hopefully it's not misunderstood. I wouldn't say my mom's attitude. It's just their conversation. Okay. And I guess what I mean by attitude, I'm not, I don't mean like attitude, attitude. I just mean like, you know, kind of her behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I think behavior is a better appropriate word to describe it. Yeah. You know, I I never really tried to pick sides. Mm -hmm. I think growing up being raised by my mom, I was extremely fortunate to be in my situation. Right. But I also was able to build my own perspective on the situation, be thankful that they weren't together. And this is me probably at like nine or 10. You were thankful they weren't. Yeah, they weren't together. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And because there was some bad shit that my dad was getting caught up in. And so, you know, I was more appreciative of all the things that she's done for me. Mm -hmm. You know, where I think that helps build a tighter bond between me and my mom, Mm -hmm. where... I have a greater form of respect for her based on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. For what she had to go through. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And what she had to do yeah. for her family. Yeah, you know, we're and we're on different sides of the spectrum where you live with both parents, right? Mm-hmm. So what was your relationship like growing up? Yeah, my relationship with my parents, I mean, it was decent, But I definitely remember always seeking for approval from them. And I didn't want to do anything, quote unquote, bad in their eyes. So I was like this goody little two-shoes kind of girl, you know. Um, So in that sense, what happened was I ended up lying to them a lot like whenever I was out say with my boyfriend or something which is that I is that standard I mean is that like the normal like teenage parental relationship out there you know I remember one time I was with so you wanted to be you wanted to be perceived as the good child you didn't want to be the good child (laughs) but what's funny is like they actually like at some times I guess they thought I was going out a lot and they thought that I was up to no good when really all I'd be doing is, like, hanging out with my boyfriend. Like, I wasn't smoking. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing all the other things that the kids were doing in my school. It was only a couple needles. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, like, I I did not do any of that. Like, I never smoked weed, never drank. I just I didn't do any of that, what they thought I was doing. Did and your I was brother like, do a lot Dad, of that you stuff? you don't even know. 
I'm not going to speak for him, but I want to say yes. <laughs> I mean, he was, and so this is the thing again, like with having an older sibling is like, they kind of ruin it a little bit for us younger siblings, because once they fuck up, then my parents were on me. Oh, look mm-hmm. at your brother, you know? Yeah. And I was like, damn, bro, <laughs> like <laughs> you messed it up for me. And so like, I remember one time I was just going to downtown to meet up with uh, Dexter, my boyfriend again, now my husband. And I told my mom, like, mom, I'm with Erica at the mall. And she was like, then why do I see Erica at the mall right now? And where are you? <laughs> and I was like, shit. Stupid. <laughs> and, uh, you so weren't good at lying. Yeah. So your brother, like your brother didn't time. fuck it up with you. <laughs> fuck it up for you. You fucked it up for yourself. Oh, man. Like I said, I wasn't really doing anything bad. And so, like, so, the, so again, like, it was decent. But, again, I do remember have to lie lie to them quite a bit just so Mm. I could get out of the house because again maybe I was sheltered or I wasn't allowed out as much right I feel like that's normal though yeah well you guys got together when you were teenagers yeah yeah Yeah. I feel like that's pretty normal trying to sneak out and do all that shit I thought so too and then in hindsight I mean like they did let me out every weekend which I mean again I don't know how often that is compared to other kids but I know other parents that were a lot more strict on their children or their daughters. So And so we're talking about two different time frames here. So you're talking about your teenage years, right? Yeah. And then I'm talking about when I was a kid, reflecting on that, right? (laughs) So if I were to think if I were to look back on my teenage years, man, that shit was tough. That shit was tough. So again, single parent, right? Teenage boy, I what? That's the first time I tried smoking weed in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed out all the time. And we were living in Renan at the time, and you know I was just going out doing my own shit. And I wasn't like, I wasn't in gangs. I wasn't fighting people, but I was rebellious for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't have a specific reason. Could be the school that I went to. You know, everybody wanted to be rebellious and act out. Yeah. But it was just way too much for my mom to mm-hmm. handle. And that's kind of when she called my dad and she goes, Uh-oh. hey, uh, you need to take your son because he's listening to music where they're talking about fucking bitches and all this shit and I can't handle it. He won't listen to me. Now he's doing drugs. And I was like, <laughs> it's like what the fuck is going on? So the reason why oh, she shit. thought I was doing drugs is because she found a pack of zigzags, wrappers. For, people would use them for cigarettes or, or weed, right? But she found a pack of zigzags in my backpack. Uh-huh. And what's so stupid about this whole situation is that I don't know how to fucking how to roll a fucking joint. Mm-hmm. I have but she no, didn't know that? No. So I don't know how to roll a joint. And it's like, it's crazy because it's like, I got in trouble for something I don't use, mm-hmm. which I bought to give it to someone that knows how to do it so I can use what they mm-hmm. do with that. But yeah, you know, that two-year span, seventh and eighth grade, I was what, 12 and 13, that was probably the most troublesome time between me and my mom. Oh, because shit. it was almost as if she didn't want to deal with my shit, so she passed me off to my dad. My dad doesn't care what I do. And this guy smokes weed, sells weed, other shit. Mm-hmm. And he was he's the one trying to tell my mom, you know, it's not that big of a deal. He'll get out, he'll phase out of it. And so that's how I ended up in the North End. 
I was going to say, that's when we met, like yeah. seventh grade. Yeah, so that's how I ended up there. And and that's um, when you saw me at your husband's house. Yeah, and that's when I was like, oh, well, my dad doesn't care. Like, I'm not even in trouble. She sent me away to be in trouble and everything's all good. And I think that just caused a lot of tension between me and my mom mm. uh, up through high school. Just because I felt like she was starting to be a little bit more controlling Mm-hmm. with how I should be or how I should act. And there's these expectations that are supposed to be met, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't meeting them. But I wanted to do me. And I think that I'm glad that I went through that phase mm-hmm. just because it allowed her to understand as well that, oh, well, if he does want to be himself at some, like when he gets older, like it, it's going to be his choice, mm-hmm. you know? Because if I was just feeding into her needs or her wants mm-hmm. so that way I can be molded how she wants me to be. If I rebel when I'm older, mm-hmm. things could be extremely worse because I know people that don't even talk to their parents anymore mm-hmm. because right. they try to fit this mold throughout their teenage years oh, shit. and then through their 20s too. Mm-hmm. And then once once they cross that threshold, they're done. They're done. They don't want to oh, fuck shit. with them anymore. And it's it's kind of sad. It's unfortunate, you know? Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had to compromise your character or your personality in order to be accepted by your mom? Like in the, in the, this like time frame that you're talking about? There's certain music I couldn't listen to. That's probably about it. And I think like the way that I would dress to, you know, again, my perspective is going to be different because it's, it's the whole biracial thing. You know, I have, I've had aunts that would come in and say certain things as a joke. And they'd be like, oh, you dress like this, you say this, or you talk this. And they would think it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, most of my friends are Asian, and we all talk like that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make a difference, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that caused me to rebel a little bit and not want to fit a mold or meet an expectation that other families will, that other family members wanted. Mm-hmm. I was more concerned with my mom's perception Mm-hmm. And my grandma's perception. And as long as they accepted me for certain things that I did or accepted, were accepting of the things that I did, mm-hmm. then I was okay with it. Okay. Did you ever feel like you had to fit a mold? I kind of I did. Like I said, like I would experience judgment to an extent. And I think my parents wanted um, us to portray like this happy-go-lucky family. Yeah. Not like we went through anything serious. But that you know of. <laughs> right, that I yeah. know of. Um, that's going to be the running joke here. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm an example when I was writing an essay, and I think it was a college essay to get into the university. And you know what they always say, like, oh, you got to have kind of like a sob story, like in order to get in or whatever. So I might have, uh, what's the word, exaggerated it embellished okay. a little bit embellished yeah. about whatever family drama was happening or like family struggles was happening mm-hmm. um but my mom got a hold of it and she read it and she was not happy with it oh and really she was like she was like why are you telling people that like don't turn that in to me the way i saw it was like she just didn't want people to know if we were experiencing anything bad Mm -hmm. even though we weren't really experiencing anything bad and so I think that always stuck with me like again worrying about how others perceive us 
And I think that's kind of like stuck with me through life and might even show up in some ways in my adulthood, like me being a people pleaser or something like that. We are like on two totally different ends of the spectrum here yeah. when we talk about like our our upbringing or our experiences with our parents. Well, I think that when it comes to painting the perfect picture of a family, you know, we already lost because my mom was single, right? Mm. And I don't know how other cultures deal with it, but I feel mm-hmm. like that's extremely frowned upon mm-hmm. in the Filipino community mm-hmm. where you look like you're not able to keep a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it sucks because, you know, your parents try to do the best for you that they can, right? Yes. Or at least we hope so. And growing up, you don't realize the pressure that's placed on them from their parents and how that can make an impact on how you're raised. For sure. Right? For so sure. as I've gotten older, I've had to realize that my mom's the way she is based on what my grandpa's. I've seen mm-hmm. it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a stereotypical Filipino OG. I'm right mm-hmm. with everything that I say. Everything goes my way. I lay the rules. If you don't like it, you're in the wrong. Damn. And you got to go. I mean, you got to go might be a little bit harsh. But regardless, mm-hmm. he lays the foundation. He has the standards that need to be met, right? Mm-hmm. And so realizing that if my mom doesn't meet the standards or the expectations, then she looks bad. Mm-hmm. And if she feels the need to fit the mold that he has for her, that's going to alter how she takes care of me. And mm-hmm. I see how it gets passed down, mm-hmm. where there's certain ways that I'm supposed to carry myself based on how her parents told her to carry herself. Yeah. Even though she may not agree with it, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. Yeah. So I kind of want to transition out to like the current relationship that we have with our parents now yeah, and what that looks like for me. So kind of like my goal in life right now is to create more of a friendship with my parents rather than just this like, you know, parent-child relationship. It still is, but I also notice that there are some moments where I can be teaching them some things, right? And I think about the moments where we've had bigger or larger arguments um, with my parents and it came down to tradition and uh, oh gosh what's the word Um, tradition and when someone has a belief about something oh and it's not really like spiritual oh gosh this is gonna bother and it's not superstition okay superstition you guys got an argument about superstition Oh my gosh, my parents, like, especially I feel like my mom, she believes in a lot of superstitions. <laughs> is it weird? I feel like Tell in the us, Filipino let's, let's culture... Take a, let's take a break real quick. Tell us more about these superstitions that you guys got into an argument about. I can't even think of one right now. I'm over here arguing with my dad about guns and drugs, and you're <laughs> arguing about a superstition. Like, my mom would have a superstition, and she'd be like, yeah, you can't do that because of that. Okay, like, You gotta for take example, your purse off the floor. Why is no, your purse okay. off the floor? You're gonna lose all your money. So, for example, having my wedding the same year as, as my brother. brother. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So, that could be one. Like You're not one supposed of, to do that. Why? superstition tell me why all the rules (laughs) because like I remember when I was when I was getting married one I didn't have a church wedding I didn't have like the traditional Catholic you're giving me a look and you should listen to your mom and she was like very she was like very upset with me on that 
she came around, and yeah. mind you, they had the time of their life at our destination wedding in Mexico, right. but in the beginning, she had a very hard time accepting that. And then came the news that my brother was getting married the same year, and she was, like, really not happy about that. And a couple of Oh, things- so it's not your fault, then. It's your brother's fault. If you got married first and then your brother got married. But I don't know who planned. I really don't remember who, like, set the wedding date first. Okay. Because they might have set their wedding date first. And then I was like, oh, sorry, bro. Like, I'm going to get married first. I I really don't remember. Okay. But um, another one of them is, like, I didn't get my kids baptized around their first birthday, which I feel like, again, is tradition in the Filipino Filipino culture. The first birthday? Yeah. Like, usually around the first birthday, your child... This guy won't shut the fuck up. So usually around the child's first birthday, they typically or traditionally would get baptized. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And I I did, yeah. Yeah, and this one's, like, not a superstition, but I think that was just, like, the tradition. Like a ritual? Like a Filipino tradition. Yeah. And so, again, all these things that my mom believed what I should do, and I was like... Mom, I don't really believe in these, and I yeah. didn't. She would not be happy with me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, did it affect your relationship though? I mean, I'm gonna say not really because she always ended up coming around. And my reasoning with the baptismal or my kids getting baptized, I told her, I'm like, I want that to be my child's decision. Yeah, I want them to be able to understand what they're doing when and if they get baptized, you know? Mm -hmm. So guess what? Earlier this year, when Cameron, my five-year-old, was like, Mommy, I want to get baptized. And I was like, we are going to call your grandma right now and tell her. Oh, you say say grandma? Yeah, we call Uh, her grandma, yeah. And I was like, I was like, Mom, Mom, we have something to tell you. So I was like super pumped because like he has a better understanding and a better meaning of like what he's doing in this act, you know? Hmm. Um, Interesting. So I think I would always have my reasons to it, but so going back to that conversation then with your mom, how how did it go? Which which conversation? (laughs) I mean, I I guess in the end when like the wedding. No, when he decided to get baptized. Oh yeah, she was like, "Great, like when and what church?" You know. Okay, so was she excited? That's all. Oh oh, oh. really. No, no, yeah, she was excited. Okay. She was like, oh, good. That's good. You know, so I was reading an article earlier today. I might put it in the description later so people can read it if they want to. It's a research article. So it's talking about the transitions from teacher to learner for parents. Okay. Right. And when do they sit back and accept that their children have become the teacher and then how this is going to improve their overall well-being? I mean, the article is... Is about overall well-being. Very interesting. Yeah. So what's troubling is that you have a switch of identity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you identify as something and your activities don't match up with your identity, mm-hmm. I mean that's going to cause some confusion, and yeah. you might be distraught, right? And I think that parents find it hard to find that transition, or at least adapt into that position, mm-hmm. and allow their kids to take reign and control of a situation, right? Because sure. I know my mom's still having trouble with that, not understanding that I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here for you, and it's not your duty to take care of me the way you think I need to be taken care of, mm. right? And 
I don't know when that transition happens. Yeah. But I think that's where me and my mom are at. You know, we're at that stage where I'm not I'm not here to try to build a friendship. She is one of my best friends. I'll tell her anything I want, right? Mm-hmm. We we butt heads all the fucking time. We argue a lot. But it's still tug of war when it comes to who's supposed to fall back and listen. Mm-hmm. You know, who's supposed to be the instructor for the day. And for I think the day. Yeah, for, for the well, conversation. For the conversation. For the topic. <laughs> <laughs> for the topic. Cause, because I think she still is in that position where she wants to teach me something. And I see it with my grandpa, too. Yeah. Where he always wants to say, no, you got to do it this way. He'll come out. Like, when I'm in the garden doing stuff, he'll come out mm-hmm. and try to make adjustments or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that doesn't really work that way. Mm. But growing up, he's the pro. Yeah. He's the almighty Lord, Savior, the greatest of all time, right? Of the garden. Of the gar- yeah. Greatest in the garden. So he... I think he just not realized, like, oh, well, it's his time. You found your own ways, and you've been doing it for some time now, too. And I've been doing it for some time now, and it does work, and he can learn from me also. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things I show him, certain techniques, and, you know, it's still a tug of war. I've had to sit back and think, okay, well, he still has the mentality where he wants to teach me everything. Mm -hmm. He's... And the OG Filipino, I am right with everything, but mm. like he still wants to be, he, he still wants to feel useful sure. uh, in our relationship. And I think that's also one thing too, you know, parents always want to feel useful. I feel like that's normal. Yeah. Like you just saying that makes me think of when will the time come for me and when my kids grow up and when is that identity or position or whatever you call yeah. it, like when is that going to switch? And Tomorrow. How, and how am I going <laughs> to adapt to it, you know, yeah. because I'm pretty sure that's hard to go from being like, I do know a lot and I am the OG yeah. to, okay, yes, I'm going to admit or fall back because you also know a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that is hard to do and accept. Yeah, I think that's one thing that us people our age need to understand too with our parents that although we are adults, they're probably still in that same phase where it's like, no, I'm trying to teach you something. Mm-hmm. you got to understand it's like think about grandparents you know grandparents have their way of taking care of their grandchildren mm-hmm. and they're going to do it no matter what you say mm-hmm. they have their own you know yeah. <laughs> they have their own ways of doing shit yeah. yeah and you know i think that they still try to take every opportunity possible to be the educator mm-hmm. in everybody's lives i wonder if our parents are ever going to make that shift I feel like that shift is happening right now and has been happening with my parents in like the last few years as I've become like more open with them. And mm-hmm. again, I'm trying to create this like friendship with my parents, right? Yeah. I've become more open. They know more of like the real me and I'm not trying to like hide who I really am. Gang, gang. <laughs> um, I think I also stand, like depending on what the, the topic is, if I think that it's a teaching moment for me and I can teach them some things, I will go at it. If it's something I don't think that I can really change their mind on, I might fall back and just be like, you ever get some it pullback? is what it is. Like they, they don't want to take in whatever you're saying? Um, no, not necessarily. I feel like in recent years, like they've been very open, open about things. My dad actually used to be the lecturer um, between the parents and like with my my, me and my brother, he used to lecture us mm. a lot. And it's funny because as I grow up, I see 
that in me and I'm like, oh shoot, I am becoming my father. And as I, um, you know, as I've been raising my children, I see me trying to encapsulate, is that the word? Um, My mother's like personality and the ways that she showed her love. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think like she was such a hard worker. She did so much for my family and I don't think I could ever fill her shoes, but I'm trying my best to. Yeah. So that's kind of like the relationship we have now. Let me ask you a question. Do your No, don't ask. (laughs) Do your parents have friends that are not family members? Yeah. Because, I mean, my like, so both of my parents are retired now. Uh And so I don't think they're around. And I think their friends were probably like coworkers. Okay. But. Wait, Dan, both your parents retired? Yeah. Well, you know, my dad just turned 70. God damn. That's right. Why? You're like just making the connection. Yeah, I don't know. I keep forgetting how old your parents are. I mean, they're not old, but how much older your parents are compared to my mom. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't mean that in a bad way. (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's birthday is coming up actually like in a few weeks. But, um... What? Oh no, that's crazy. Because okay. my grandpa's eighty. Oh shoot. That's uh, well, 83, 83, 83. Only ten. Oh, thirteen years yeah, older than that's, my. That's crazy. I mean, your mom had you when she was really young. Twenty-one. Oh yeah, really young. So that young. It's pretty young. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but um, what was I saying? <laughs> Something about Gosh. your parents not having friends, or possibly oh. not having friends that are. <clears throat> They used to see their friends a lot more when they were working, but now that they're retired, they might see them sometimes, but just not as often. Mm -hmm. And it's just always this question that I had, like, I don't know if I wish that they had more friends. Like, they seem to be doing fine. I don't know. Again, we're very close to our family. Yeah. And so we're very family-oriented. If you'll, I don't know, that's just a random question that I had. So your parents have friends, and, like, they go out and kick it and hang out? Yeah, when I was younger, she would still hang out with a lot of friends, but everybody moved, moved out, spread out like throughout Washington State, so it's hard to see everybody. But she hangs out with mostly cousins and a couple friends here and there. Since yeah. she had you when she was so young, were you always like going out with her and her friends when you were? Oh, like, we were three, kicking four, it five, one night. Six, seven, like. Yeah, man, it was a trip because I remember we went to some bonfire, man. And that's the most white people I've seen in one place before. I thought I was getting kidnapped. And what? When's the last time you've seen a bunch of white people at a house party? When you were a kid. Thank you. So, exactly. So um, Actually, the one time I did was probably like you were lost. after college. Oh, no, I was Asking probably for in directions. Like my mid-twenties. For real? Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we get in. And it was my mom's friend. Well, it's Auntie Kayla. So, it's not really my aunt. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know. Close friend of your mom's. Yeah. So anyways, we're all kicking it. And like. We're we all kicking this, it. How old are you? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. sorry I was like. The tone, you like I think six, I was like five, six. <laughs> six or we're seven. We're all kicking it. <laughs> I was like. Party. So my mom said, hey, we got to go to this house party. I was like, bet. Let's do this. And so, <laughs> so we pull up. I see hella light in the back. And then there's like all this smoke. I'm like, oh, it's going down. Was that a smoke machine? No, it was a bonfire in the oh. back. And it was this huge ass bonfire. Oh, they had Capri Suns. They had s'mores ready. I don't oh, know man. what the adults were drinking, but I was set. 
for the whole <laughs> night. My God. And we would do that every once in a while, you know, which thinking about people our age that have kids, I mean, they still do it, mm-hmm. you know? And when yeah. I talk to people that don't have kids, uh, sorry, I'm pointing at the people that are younger at UW that don't have kids in our marriage. I'm like, yeah, we'd be kicking it, man. We go to kids' birthday parties and baby showers and stuff, and there's alcohol involved. They're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. like that's that's. I think that's normal. I feel like that's kind of normal. Mm-hmm. And I realized like we we're still doing that. Well, my mom yeah. was still doing that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wouldn't drink, but like we'd be out kicking it. I get as many pre sons as I want. That's so open funny. bar. So that's so yeah. funny. Like when I think about hanging out with my my parents and their friends when I was younger. Yeah. I remember just being at their houses and going to Ocean Shores. Nothing too wild, yeah. but no, just a random question. You know, one thing I'll say that I appreciate about like you and your mom's relationship is that she can be direct with you. She'd be chirping sometimes, though. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> but she is direct with you. Yeah. She doesn't... I mean, I, I think in my eyes, like, she doesn't sugarcoat. She doesn't hide things away from you. Like, she's just very honest and direct. Mm-hmm. While my parents, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the episode, is like, well, shoot, maybe my parents are just keeping things away from me, <laughs> you know? And I can think of a couple instances, even in just the last year or two, where I found some information out that I wish I had known sooner but my parents chose to keep that information away from me because they were trying to protect me. Mm. And I'm like, you guys don't have to do that anymore. Like, I am grown up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can take care of myself. But in their eyes, I'm like, I don't think they still see me as their little girl. But it's just like, oh, she doesn't need to know that information. Or it doesn't need to affect her or something. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I think I have a right to know. Like, especially if it's regarding someone's health which is what it was. And I'm like, I need to know, like, if something is happening. And so my parents, like, in some instances, are not direct with me. So how do you think someone should go about that then? Because I've talked to a couple people where their relationship with their parents, you know, they wish it would be something different. Mm -hmm. They wish it would be a different way. And I ask them, oh, well, are you going to try to make a change? They're like, no, Uh that's just the way that it is. Mm -hmm. But you can just tell from their body language that, they get happy. T- they're extremely excited talking about how they wish it would be, mm. right? But they're mm-hmm. just content with what it is, you know? Mm. I mean, so I am trying to focus on spending more time with them, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I already do a lot of. I think I talk to my parents a lot more than other people do. Like, I even FaceTime with oh, them. Oh, yeah, you're crazy, bro. <laughs> I even FaceTime with them. And part of it's because, like, they want to see the grandkids, you know, which is perfectly fine. But I think some things that we could do is like, and I'm trying to do is learning more about them on a personal level. That is one thing too that is really important. I'm like, I know you're my dad. I know you're my mom, but what more about you? Like, what are your interests and what do you want to do? I've tried to ask my mom, like, well, mom, like, what do you want to do? And like, how do you want to spend your free time? Like now that you are um, retired, you know? Man. You you already know I have no patience. So okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do that too. Uh-huh. Where I'm like, but what do you guys want to do? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know, and they're just whatever. Like, whatever yeah. you want to do. Or like, they always say, like, it's up to you and your brother. And yeah. I'm like, 
I get it. And then sometimes we'll just like refer to what the kids want to do now because grandkids are involved. Yeah. But at the same time, I still try and empower them like, but what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. So now, now that I've been thinking about that, I've been thinking about that for a while, ever since I got back from the Philippines, because I was always like, I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to get my stuff done. So mm-hmm. you guys should decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just kind of like, whatever. Mm-hmm. What if we are in that phase where, or at that stage where we're supposed to be the planners? Mm. But I guess your parents were a little bit older. But when I think about it, when my mom was my age, I was already 12. Mm-hmm. So I guess before that, like late 20s when I was like 7 or 8. Her late 20s when I was 7 or 8. You know, she was the decision maker for the family. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily like, oh... Let's let grandma or grandpa decide what we're going to do. She'll tell them, mm-hmm. like, oh, we should all do this. We should all do that. Let's invite mm-hmm. these people. Let's do that. And now I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe that is my my role as well to be like, hey, maybe. I got to take action and do all, like, planning. do all the planning for everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it didn't hit me until after I got back from the Philippines where I was like, maybe mm-hmm. that That's your really role. is just my role and what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And... I think that I'm fine with it if it helps also to build better relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, it, it does take a lot to plan that shit, to plan family gatherings, to get everybody yeah. together and coordinated, and it gets exhausting. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's my job. That's my calling. That's your calling? That's my calling. Yeah. I feel like it happens so easily with my family. Like, well, you guys all live close together. Most of my family. Yeah. Like, we run the street. I'm not going to say what street, obviously, but my family, we do live on this street and we have like one, two, three, four, you know, probably like four houses on the street where Mm -hmm. we all live like a block or two away from each other. And this is like my first cousin. So that's why we're so close. But um, I think doing activities with them that are like their hobbies. So for my dad, that looks like maybe going to the shooting range or going golfing. And then this year I've been thinking that I want to do like take a flower arrangement class with my mom Mm -hmm. um, because that's her thing. Like she loves flowers um, to just kind of nurture this relationship because, you know, we talked about the last episode, like we realize we are getting older. Right. But um, we have to remember that like if we're getting older, they are getting older too. Take pictures. And well, my dad takes a hell of videos. Oh, does he? Okay. He yeah, is good. Facebook Live videos, <laughs> pictures, which I'm fine with. You know, that's how he wants to capture his memories. Mm-hmm. And I am I know one day I'm going to be grateful for them. Yeah. Right? Um, well, for those that don't take pictures, do it. Take pictures. That's you're, right. You're going to be you're going to be sad when you don't have those memories mm-hmm. to look back on, you know? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. So. Right, someone brought up to me that it'd be a good idea to give someone a book. And they write their story in it. I did. That's what's up. So <laughs> Michelle told me. To, <laughs> I think, did you give the book to your dad or something? Yeah, I gave one to my dad and my mom. So what you're referring to is I gave a, I gave a book about, it was kind of like, tell me about your life. Like, where did you grow up? Where is grandma and grandpa from? Where, like, what is our tree, our family tree? And tell me stories about you growing up and, you know, just whatever, family members. I gave one each for my mom, for my dad. And they haven't done it yet. It's okay. So I think I, I feel like I just need to sit down with them 
and I need to ask them the questions and they need to just tell the story and I just need to like yeah. write it down or something because I don't know how else it's going to happen. Yeah. I figure I got to figure it out. No, ask questions. It's really important. I think that I, know. I didn't start doing that until a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Asking more questions yeah. about like my mom and my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because I felt like I was getting older. It's just I think that I, I really want to just dig deeper. You know what I mean? Yeah. No my, more my mom would randomly family. tell me shit. Like, <laughs> she keeps saying the same story, though, about how she beat up some boy in middle school. And some boy punched her, and she punched him back. That's yeah. so funny. But, like, she'll tell the same stories over, and it's like, Mom, I know that, I know that, I know that. Tell me something different, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But it's really important to just make it more of an effort, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that we get so comfortable around our parents that it is just whatever. You sit around don't talk much and mm-hmm. just shoot the shit or mm-hmm. keep everything surface level, you know? But I'm sure they're going to be appreciative of you wanting to know more about mm-hmm. them, you know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. So let's go to close this one out because they're about to kick us out. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, if you feel like donating to our cause, please... <laughs> just give me some money because uh, we're broke but my plans <laughs> but remember we all have different journeys in life what may be right for me might not be right for you and vice versa we're hoping this episode enlightened you and inspired you to bring up these types of conversations with your community hoping that you can be a part of our community don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on instagram at life.ini and make sure you got your notifications on so whenever we post new episodes you're staying up to date Catch you guys next time. Till next time.